Welcome to Life Source Church. Subscribe to our podcast on iTunes or SoundCloud. Today you're going to hear a message from Pastor Walt that we hope encourages you. Today we want to ask the question, why church? We need to understand what God thinks about the church and make sure that that's what we think. And obviously we're always a work in progress, right? We don't always, but we want to grow in our understanding and begin to align our hearts and our minds more and more to what God has to say about the church. So it becomes a reality in our lives. So let's turn in our Bibles to Ephesians. The book of Ephesians, chapter 1. And if you haven't, and I say to those who are watching online, if you haven't, uh, or even all of those of you who are here, if you've missed any of those first three sermons, they are available online. I really encourage you to go and either watch them or listen to them, uh, because all of these things that we're looking at are really important. We need to understand why they're important. Well, the book of Ephesians uh, really is this awesome book uh, that, they, that just covers this big picture of what God is doing in the world and how and why and, and, and some understanding about what our role would be in those things. So in chapter 1, he talks about eternity past and how he set things in motion and he's accepted us in Christ. And, and then uh, Paul talks about, because of this, I pray for you these things that you would understand, that you would see, that you would experience the power of God in Christ The power of God in the risen Christ. Hey, Jesus is alive, folks. Now, um, we oftentimes think Jesus is alive. Yeah, Jesus is alive in heaven like this. But now I want you to understand, he he was a human being. God became man, right? As a human being. He is alive today, some 2,000 years later. Jesus is alive. And so Paul prays, I pray that you'll experience the reality of the power of God that raised Jesus from the dead. And, and then he, he praises Jesus and talks about how God has raised him up to the highest place. In fact, let, let's, let's start in verse 20. Chapter 1, page 1343 in the Bible in the pew there. He says, which he worked in Christ, talking about this power, when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all principality and power and might and dominion, and every, any authority everywhere, he's above all of that. And every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in that which is to come. And here's the verse I want you to see. And he, the Father, put all things under his feet, Jesus' feet, and gave him to be head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him. Who fills all in all. The Father has made Jesus the head of the church and declared that the church is his body. So, first and foremost, first here today, what I want you to see is this that the church is Jesus' body. The church is Jesus' body. Now, you know, I I've, have an admission to make. I never go anywhere without my body. <laughs> and when someone starts telling us that they've gone places without their body, we go, okay, take a step back here, right? 
Because our body is how we interact with the world. Right? This is how we, we function. And our bodies are not us, in a sense, right? I mean, we have a body and, and we are connected to it, but ultimately it doesn't determine who we are or, or limit us to that. But it, nonetheless, it is how we move through the world. It's how we take information in and process it and do things. Our bodies do this. Well, the church is Jesus' body. Now, um, the word that's translated, if you aren't familiar with this, the New Testament was written in the Greek language originally and then was translated into our language. The word that's translated church in English, the Greek word, literally is a word that means assembly. It's talking about when people get together on purpose, they assemble. And so we are God's assembly. We are Jesus' assembly. When we gather together, that is when we are the church. Now, we're always the church, but when we gather together, we gather together as his body. The fullness of him who fills all in all. Now, also, depending on what you've been exposed to, you may have this idea that the church... um, that Jesus, that God's talking about here is uh, all believers of all time everywhere. Some, some church thing out there. You may have heard it called the universal church. And that does exist. But it's kind of fuzzy to us, right? And if you've been able to sit down with somebody from about 500 AD, a believer from 500 AD and had fellowship with him recently? If you have, that's another reason we need to have a conversation. <laughs> See, and, and you have to sit down with the guy over in Africa or China. We don't, you know, we don't get to interact with them. It does exist. I experienced that body of Christ this week as I worked with other believers from other places and other backgrounds. So that exists. But when he's talking about church, almost every time he's talking about a church like this one. And I don't mean like this one building-wise. I mean a church like you and me. Christians who get together to be the church. To do what God has told the church to do. And so it says here that that Jesus is the head of this church. He is the head of this church. He is uh, the fullness. His fullness fills this church. When this church gathers, Jesus is here. When this church disperses and goes out into the world, Jesus goes out into the world. Whether we go out together or we go out individually, we are his body. We are his body. And it's sort of like, it's, it's almost like if you took someone's portrait, the picture of them, right? And, and then you cut it into jigsaw puzzle pieces. And then you take those pieces and you put them together. You put them together. And all of a sudden you start to see the picture come together, right? Right? Well, that's the way we are. Because God puts the church together and he brings you in and me in and, and each of you in. We are each part of that puzzle piece that's supposed to be a picture of Jesus. Because we really want it so that when the world sees the church, when he sees us, that they see him. Church is a big deal to God. It's, it's the fact that it's Jesus' body makes it a big deal to God. And it ought to be a big deal to us, too, because of it. Well, let's continue here in Ephesians chapter 2. 
In chapter 2, he talks about how he has changed our very nature. He saved us. He's going to show us off in heaven and how he's done all this through Christ. And then we get over to verse 19 in chapter 2, and he says this. Now, therefore, you are no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone in whom the whole building being fitted together grows into a holy temple in the Lord, in whom you also are being built together for a dwelling place of God in the Spirit. You, the church. So he tells us, he he describes the church now not as a body, but as a temple. The church is God's temple. Now, all around the world and every culture, the idea of temples is this. Temples are places where God is. Whatever God people believe in, that's the idea. The temple becomes the dwelling place of God. In the Old Testament, they viewed that, right? The, the Holy of Holies, the dwelling place of God on earth. Well, guess where the dwelling place of God is on earth today? It's in us. We together are the temple of God. And that means that we are a holy place. Now, temple, when we think temple, uh, lots of times we think buildings, don't we? In, in Acts chapter 17, when the Apostle Paul is talking to the philosophers in Athens, he says, God does not dwell in temples made with hands. But he does indwell a temple. And it's us. So, let me see. This building here. Praise God for this building. It's an awesome building. We're able to meet in it, enjoy the blessings of it. But this building is not the temple of God. This building is, is brick and mortar and wood and everything that goes into making a building. But none of those things are holy. But God's temple's holy. That means we are holy. Now, if we are the temple that the holy, holy, holy God indwells, how should we live? How should we interact with one another? How should we interact with the people in the world? We are the holy temple of God, the dwelling place on earth of the holy, holy God. Let me tell you how important this is, that we get this right. In 1 Corinthians chapter 3, I'm going to show it on the screen here. Go ahead and put it up there if you would. God says this. He says, if anyone defiles the temple of God, God will destroy him. For the temple of God is holy, which temple you are. And in the original language, that's plural. It's you are the temple. God says that this temple, my, this, these people that I indwell, they are so holy that if you mess with them, you mess with me. Now, we tend to think of that as people on the outside. Are there enemies of the church? Yeah, there are enemies of the church. They need to be saved. They need their hearts to be changed. But there are enemies of the church. But my greatest concern is not them. My greatest concern is that you and I might find ourselves defiling the temple. We can defile the temple by 
living sinful lives that we know are sinful, but we just don't care. We're going to keep doing it and just keep covering it up. See, here's the difference. If you have a sin problem, uh, welcome to the club, right? If you have a sin problem, that's that's nothing, I shouldn't say nothing wrong with that. We don't want that. But what I'm trying to say is, fine, admit it, get help, work on it, let people help you. Keep trying, keep working on it. God will work in your life. And he can, you know, you can make progress and begin to experience freedom from that. But when you're going to live a hypocritical life, saying, I'm a Christian, I'm a member of this church, and then live however you want, you put yourself in this kind of situation. Now, thankfully, God is long-suffering and gracious. You know, if you undermine the church by subtly standing on opposition to what God is doing in the church. You put yourself in this position. When you sow some discord or division by how you ask a question or who you specifically bring something up to, you put yourself in this position. Now we're the body of Christ. God lives in us. We can talk about anything. We, and we ought to, it's fine, let's talk about the church and let's talk about what God's doing. But we do it from a standpoint of being on board with what God is doing. Ready to, to follow his leadership in our lives as our church. But so, do, how important does God view the church? It is his temple. It is his holy place that he indwells on earth. So much so that if, if, you wanna, if you're going to mess with the church, you're messing with God. And he won't take it lightly. Let's go to chapter 3. In chapter 3, Paul uh, begins to explain about the ministry that he had and how God revealed to him the gospel and that the gospel went to the Gentiles, not just to the Jews, but to the whole world. And then we get down here in verse number 8. He says, to me, who am less than the least of all the saints, this grace was given, that I should preach among the Gentiles, the unsearchable riches of Christ. So uh, preaching the gospel, it's part of God's plan in the world here. And then to make all see what is the fellowship of the mystery, which from the beginning of the ages has been hidden in God, who created all things through Jesus Christ. Now, just so you know, and what Paul is talking about here is this mystery of the church. Because all through history, people viewed temples as buildings, places where God lived. They viewed God as being separate from them and they tried to figure out how to do enough good to please him and all of these kinds of things. But God in Christ, in the church, has revealed that no, 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 what I'm going to do is I'm going to come and live within the people in temples not made with hands. I'm going to live within them and together they're going to be mine. This is this mystery that was hidden from the ages but has now been revealed in Christ. How many of you like to watch a mystery movie or read a mystery novel? Okay? And, and you're reading and you're trying to figure it out and you think you got it and then you realize maybe I don't got it. And all of a sudden, the scene comes on the screen or you turn the page in the book and, oh, all of a sudden, it makes sense, doesn't it? That's what the church is. It's God's revealing the answer to the mystery. Then he says this. Verse 10 about the church. 
to the intent that now the manifold wisdom of God might be made known by the church to the principalities and powers in the heavenly places according to the eternal purpose which he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. To the intent that the the manifold wisdom of God might be made known by the church. God is on a mission to reveal himself. And we think in this world, and that's true, but he's revealing himself not just in this world, he's revealing himself to the powers that be in heaven. Who is that? I don't know all who it is. It's certainly angelic beings, and it may be Satan and all those who serve him too. He may be just showing them his manifold wisdom. And manifold means the idea of this, is that it's a multi-sided thing, and every every which way you turn it and look at it, you see something new and amazing and awesome. And he said, that's what I am showing in the church. Well, I gotta be honest, I scratched my head over this one. Because I know me, and I know some of you fairly well, and we are the expression of the wisdom of God. I think there must be things going on we don't know about. Things that God is doing in and through the church that we don't see. But once you see this, the church is God's plan. The church is God's plan for making himself known in the world. For making himself known in the other world, which we don't see. We are that plan. And and as our, it says right in our constitution what our purpose is. It says that we are joining God in his mission of making himself known. And that's what the church is about. We're part of how God makes himself known in the world. Now, this is really crucial because as God makes himself known in the world through the church, he said a couple of, man, is that a risky business, by the way? I mean, you don't have to, you can look around, just look around, okay, look around, really just look around, a little awkward, I know, look around at each other. And then just think about yourself and say, this is how God's doing it? But God is so sovereign, so mighty, so powerful, so wise, so everything that he can do it through us somehow, some way. And he's given us important things that we have to recognize and do. Uh, He says in John chapter 13 and, and verses 34 and 35, go ahead and put those scriptures up there if you would. Talking to his disciples, he says, by this all men will know that you are my disciples if you love one another as I have loved you in that passage he talks about. Wow. How are people going to decide if we're really Christians or not? Do you think there's any churches meeting today where people would look at the church and say, I don't think those people are really Christians? Sure. Jesus says that the world is going to look at us and try to decide if we're really Christians or not, and they're going to make that decision not on the basis of what our doctrinal statement is, not by what's on our sign. They're going to reach a decision by whether or not we really are people who love each other. Do we really love each other? Wow, those people love each other. I don't know much about Christianity, but they seem like Christians to me. And then over in John chapter 17, when he's praying for us, he he prays that we will be one, that we will be united 
together in, in heart and in soul and purpose. And he says, he prays this so that the world may believe that the Father sent him. So, okay, here's the deal. So the world's looking, observing. He says, well, are these people Christians? They may be Christians. I don't know why they're Christians. Well, they do seem to love each other. All right, well, that's cool. They're Christians. But is Jesus really who he said he was? They follow Christ, but is, is he really who he said he was? And then the Lord says that as we continue to demonstrate that love and that unity of spirit, heart, mind, they will start to conclude, you know what, this must be true. I don't see this anywhere else in the world. Tell you what, watch the news. Baltimore sure has come together around loving each other, haven't they? No. In fact, what they're coming together around is what they're against and what they hate. Not that there aren't Christians involved in the mix. I'm sure there are. But when they start to see that this is a supernatural thing, this, I can't explain what's happening with these people and the way these people are. There must be something to this. That's, see, that's what they didn't decide. All right. It's also God's plan in the world because he has given us all a role to play, each of us in the church. We are his body, and that helps to inform us on this. I told you, I don't usually go any place without my body. I don't leave my hand at home or my foot at home. Occasionally, I think I leave part of my brain at home. But it's really there. It just doesn't function necessarily the way that I would want it to function. And, and so God has included us in this plan, in what we know as the Great Commission. Remember when Jesus said, go into all the world and do what? Make disciples. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations. And so we as a church, what do we do? What are we supposed to do? Make disciples. And so this, this includes going out into the world and telling people about Christ to try to say, come be a follower of Christ. Come receive Christ. Become one of his followers. Become a disciple. And they come and they, they receive Christ and helping them to grow and understand and then helping them to learn to live the way Christians are supposed to live. And so they're out in the world now telling others and they get involved in making disciples. Here's the deal. We're all part of this commission. Every one of us. We're all supposed to be involved in making disciples. In fact, you're not a mature believer if that aspect is missing from your life. A mature believer is not only becoming a more faithful follower of Christ, a, true, a mature believer is helping others to do the same, to become part of the church. And, and so... If we are doing anything that is not helping to make disciples, we need to quit it. Okay? If, if we are doing things that aren't effective at making disciples, we need to change it. We need to be about this business because we are God's plan. We, the indwelt people of God. So not only has he given us a role, we all have a role in the Great Commission, he's also given us specific Roles to fill in the church. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, he tells us how he has formed us. Go ahead and put that.
passage up there. The body is not one member, but many. God has set the members, each one of them, in the body just as he pleased. So that means he put you and you and you in this church family for his purposes. And if one member suffers, actually, just stop there for a minute. We're going to come back to the rest of that in a moment. So God has designed you. The Bible tells us he knew about you before he ever created the world. He knew you'd come to Christ. He knew you'd be part of his church. And the Bible says that he has designed it so that you have certain spiritual abilities. We call them spiritual gifts. He also, you have certain natural abilities and gifts. And his plan is for you to bring those things to bear on making disciples. You are needed. You are important. I mean, if, like I say we don't think about this, but the idea would be, what if I somehow rather I, I, I decided I could actually leave this knee at home today when I went out? All right, because it's just flopping loose. There's nothing there. I need that knee. You are part of the body of Christ, handpicked by God, prepared by God to fulfill a role in the body of Christ that only you can fill. It's important. What you bring to this is important. And so he continues, and if one member suffers, all the members suffer with it. Or if one member is honored, all the members rejoice. You are the body of Christ and members individually. And I want you to see this. He's telling us here that what goes on in your life affects your relationship with your church. Do you see how he says that? When someone is suffering, when someone is hurting, it affects the church. When someone is doing well and exciting, it affects the church. If someone is choosing to live in hidden sin, it affects the church. See how that works? And what's happening in your church affects your life. It's inseparable. We tend to think that somehow or rather our church relationship is something, it's separate from us. Oh yeah, I go to that church and then I come back out in the world and do the rest of my life. No, that's not what God says. He says you are part of this. And it's all interconnected when you're a follower of Christ. It's all interconnected. So we are part of God's plan. Look at in Ephesians chapter 4. Actually, we aren't just part of God's plan. That's true. We, the church, are God's plan to make himself known in the world. Over in chapter 4, the Apostle Paul talks about uh, what Christ did again and how he gave a certain people to the church to help it to grow and become what it's supposed to be. But then he says that we're all part of that. We all have a role to play in that. In verse 16, he says this, from whom, talking about from Christ, the whole body joined and knit together by what every joint supplies according, here we go, according to the effective working by which every part does its share. We might say by which every part does its part. What happens? 
that causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love, the building up of itself in love. It's, it's like this. Somehow or other, when, when I do my part and you begin doing your part and others begin doing their part and we do this, you know, following the Holy Spirit and dependence upon God, something all of a sudden happens. It, what happens is all of a sudden, the body begins to edify itself it, and it takes on life and grows. It grows to be more like Jesus, like we already talked about. But it grows in other ways too. Because we're about the business of making disciples, it also grows in numbers. We reach people. And, and when the body of Christ takes on this life of its own and, and just begins to explode, I want to tell you something. Satan hates that. Satan fears that. Because we are the body of Christ. And if we go out into the world, that means Jesus is going out into the world. And he fears that. He hates the church because Jesus loves it. He hates the church because of what it can do in people's lives. He hates the church because it, it, it makes God known in amazing ways. But here's the thing. If Satan, through however he does things, can get us to miss the importance of the church... If he can get us to think that our church is just another one of the things, that, one of many things that we do. If he can get us to devalue the role of the church in our lives and, and just, it's kind of an add-on. If he can do that, he doesn't have much to fear from us. If he can get us to think that the church is about us and not about Jesus, not about our Lord. If he can get us to think the church is about us and so that we we start looking at the church that way. And, you know, I thank God. I, I believe that you are such a loving people. You are a generous people. You show that. You are friendly people. But I tell you what, if Satan gets us to start thinking it's about us and how nice it is. It is so nice when I come to church. We are just all so friendly. And we become ingrown like a social club. Satan doesn't have much to fear from us. If he can divide us over what kind of songs we sing or when we meet or what kind of Bible study we do and where we... If he can divide us over that kind of stuff, he doesn't have much to fear. And by the way, we don't have to agree about all that stuff. There's a difference between not agreeing with each other and being divided from each other. But if we can be the body of Christ, a united body of Christ, walking in the spirit, remembering that this church is, is Jesus' body, that it is his temp, God's temple on earth, that it is planned, and, and we function as part of it, Satan has reason to be afraid because it's like this. You know, I mean, I used to wonder when Jesus said in, in the Gospel of John, he, he tells the disciples, hey, you know, I've done great things, but you're going to do much greater things than I've ever done. This is Jesus saying that to his disciples. You know why? Because he was talking to the church. And we have, and I don't mean this in any spiritual way, but we have one little Jesus, one little man, Jesus, son of God, walking the earth. And he died and went away and said the Holy Spirit. And now we have 
the church, the body of Christ, big Jesus walking all over the world. The risen Lord walks out into the world when we walk out into the world as his church. And when the risen Lord walks the earth, Satan trembles. And he has good reason to because Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. But we got to do our part. We have to cooperate with God. We have to understand how important the church is and let it have that role in our lives. Look in Ephesians chapter 3 here. Here's where this goes. Paul just got through talking about the amazing love of God and how we can't even get our heads and hearts around it. In verse 20, he says this. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that works in us, to him be glory where? In the In the church. By Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. And when we get this right, and I'll say something about that in just a minute. God's glory. Oh, the presence of God. The power of God. Changing lives. The church is a really, 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 really big deal to God. And it should be to us too. Should be to us too. So stop letting other things take the church's place in your life. Get, get connected. If you're, if you're only making it here once or twice a month, why don't you try it for two, three, four times a month? Get connected. Uh, if, if you aren't a member, and, then, you know, and you think, wow, I probably ought to be a member. Then join the church. We'll be letting you know about a, a membership class coming up. Maybe it's getting connected more in the fact of what is my role in this church? What is, how has God made me to, to be a part and to participate? Uh, whatever it is, get connected, get committed. Uh, and here's what I want to say. Get dependent. Because the last thing we want is for all of a sudden for us to say, that's it, okay, I'm going to do it. I'm going to be part of the church. I'm going to do my thing. I'm going to make the difference. You can't by yourself. You have to become dependent on God. Oh, God, here I am. The church is so important. I know me that if if I'm left to myself, what I'm going to do and not do, and God, I need you to work in my life. Show me. Lead me. Whatever, get dependent on him. One last thing I want to show you. First Corinthians, actually we won't even look there. First Corinthians chapter 11, talking about the Lord's Supper. The Apostle Paul talks about problems in the church. They weren't really loving each other like they were supposed to. They were going through the motions on a lot of things and they just were really making a mockery of a lot of these things. Not on purpose, but that was the end result. And, and there, God said, God began to judge them. He began to chasten them. Some of them became sick. Some even died 
Why? Well, Paul says this. He says, let me read it here to you. It should be on the screen up there. He said, they were chasing and disciplined because they were not discerning the Lord's body. We are chastened by the Lord when we don't discern, we don't understand the truth about who, what the church is and our role and relationship in it. And so we live like hypocrites. We can't afford to do that. Let's don't do that. 